All right. Welcome to another episode of What the Fuck Do You Do? We've got a great guest today. She's a fashion buyer at a major luxury brand. Brittany, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Woo. All right. From the audience. First question. What does a fashion buyer do? So maybe I should back up and say like what a buyer does in general. Sure. Okay. So basically any store you go into, it could be a retail store where you buy your clothes. It could be a gas station. Somebody decides everything that's in that store. They decide that assortment. They decide if you are getting Cool Ranch Doritos or if you're getting a blue hoodie in your store. So that's kind of what a buyer does. They decide the assortment. What a fashion buyer does more specifically is kind of like the editor. So you have somebody who starts off with a design and it could be in-house or it could be from an outsourcer. They come to you with the product and then the buyer decides how much they want to buy and if they want to, of what the selection they want to buy for. And then it's kind of this cog in the wheel where you continue on and then it goes to stores. You do the allocation, which store should get it how much based off of demographics and numbers. And then it goes into the salespeople's hands and then into the consumer. So it's kind of like a middleman. That's super cool. So I guess breaking that down a little bit, Mm -hmm. the person who's designing the like the whatever fashion clothing, they come to you, the buyer, and they say like, hey, I want to actually put this in your store, your Mm -hmm. brand. And you have that decision of like, yes or no. Yeah. Okay. I mean, ultimately, if you break it down, yes. Usually you work with a design team that's constantly producing product season after season. Mm -hmm. So it'll come in either like a four or six times a year and you decide what that product assortment is going to look like. So they can build something, but also you help edit it. So for instance, if they create something and it's in a lot of different colors, but you know that black sells best especially in the New York, New England area. Mm-hmm. Everyone's always wearing black clothes. <laughs> um, then you may make suggestions or edits or kind of liaison with that uh, design team to get the best product possible. So you're kind of the tastemaker like of the country. Kind of oh, setting the, of, the, of the country. Yeah. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if I'd go that far, but um, I mean, it is an important kind of stop or start yeah. position. How often are you making like educated guesses about where you think trends are going to go versus like only relying on the data or like algorithms to let you know what's going to sell best? Constantly. And if anyone tells you different, they're totally lying. (laughs) They're just kind of making it up as they go a little bit. Because you're also dealing with two years out. So for instance, I'm buying right now for two years plus. So spring in, where are we? 2024. Interesting. What are some educated guesses you're making now? What do you think is going to be hot in 2024? Ooh, so let's see. I mean, everyone's still really, really heavy in the streetwear game. And I think it's going to continue through. But it's really interesting to see where the luxury market is going to go with that. Also, (laughs) the luxury market's really buying into crypto and NFTs. So I'm super interested to see how they're going to integrate that into an everyday fashion because right now everything is so tangible and based off of like a physical good, but now they're trying to monetize it in a digital way. Right. And it's like, does that work? Does it, can that be possible? Do people want to buy like Balenciaga clothes like for their metaverse <laughs> 
persona. I don't know. Just getting swagged out all So they're trying to buy digital clothes, basically? It could be. We Honestly, we're in such a pivotal moment. We have no idea where it could go next. But we have to make sure that product's available if it turns that way. And it's your job to say where it's going to go. Kind of, I guess. (laughs) A little bit. I mean, you always have your stakeholders who are above you and who are really working on that strategy. But I'm working on, like, the business strategy of it. So what is like the team structure like you have? Are you working like directly with the head of the company and kind of setting these different goals and trends and whatnot? Or do you have like your own team that you're managing? Like, what does that look like? Uh, a little bit of both. So you definitely have touch points with the general direction of like what the CMO wants to do, the chief, chief merchandising officer. And so then based off of their direction and what they're working on with the CEO and also the design, the head of design, then we want to kind of make their vision come to life. Um, and then we have a team also that manages. So they do more of like the everyday, more arbitrary work to actually like get the product to the store. Yeah. So how'd you get into this? Like why, why buying? Um, I interned a lot. So I always knew I wanted to be in fashion, but then I kind of interned a bunch in different facets. I did PR and wholesale and merchandising and kind of ended up in buying. And it worked really well because it is that 50, 50 of like, working with numbers and like business side, but also having the creative freedom to decide things on your own and like have that like little bit of an outlet. Yeah. What does like the interview process look like? Um, a lot of the interview processes for like the job can be pretty long. I think you oftentimes we meet with, depending on your level, you'd meet with like First, the hiring manager, maybe the director, maybe the VP, mm-hmm. and then probably again with HR. But and are you? Is it like? Are they asking you about potential like cases of doing like fashion buying scenarios, or is it more like behavioral type of stuff? Like, what do you, what do you have to prove in the interview? I'd say it's more on casework, but it, they want to hear about your history. So, what have you done in the past? What have your predictions been? What have your numbers been? And how, and a little bit of behavioral, cause they want to see how you buy. Like, mm-hmm. how are you making those educated guesses? Um, what trends do you follow that you think are really leading the industry? And then I've also had to do, um, some tests before also like case tests, but also Excel quizzes. I'd say for the most part, everyone goes through an Excel test. Oh, yeah, so you're in the spreadsheets, you're digging through. I've got a view lookup for days. Yeah. I thought it'd be all this nice, like cool dresses and streetwear. I and it's just an Excel wish suit. it was just that, but on top of it, you have to have a bottom line yeah. that is pretty prevalent. Yeah. So they're making you do modeling, but just Excel modeling. <laughs> exactly. This Excel is not going down any runways, but yes. Uh-huh. Oh, horrible. <laughs> Do you, so, you know, you've been interested in fashion for a long time. Like, does this feel like you still get to access that creative side of your brain? Like, would you ever want to go into actual design for fashion? Um, Thinking about it, I think that, you know, I kind of would be open to doing my own thing a little bit now more than usual. I'd say before I was pretty risk averse and now I'm like, well, seems like the barrier of entry is like a little bit lower these days. Maybe I'll give it a go. But um, I do like having that 
two-sided way of thinking and looking at everything. Now that I have more of like a collective idea of what it takes to run the business and create the product, I think that gives me kind of the confidence to go out on my own. Right. You have the inside track, like, you know, what works, mm-hmm. you know, what's successful. You can kind of like see the trend and then build something <laughs> within it. Too. I think it's about building like the contacts in the industry too. And like knowing who would be good to work with and, um, you know, who has a great track record, who can you trust and really like knows what they're doing. Do you have to be in New York, Paris, London, like places that are very known for fashion? Like, do you have to be in those places to work where you're working at? When I first started out, absolutely. Like it was impossible to get anything outside of one of like the major fashion cities. Now, I think with you know, such accessible remote work that there's definitely much more of a possibility. Also, social media has given anyone with a phone the ability to, to create. Yeah. So you can have a whole fashion line, label, anywhere you want. And on top of it, you could start buying um, for a company anywhere you want to because a lot of it is not as tangible these days as it used to be. So you can see line sheets, you can do a buy virtually because we've all had to do it in the past two years. So even when I was working for like a French fashion house, we were doing everything remote. I couldn't go in. I couldn't touch the product, which is really crazy to think of prior. All the pictures. Buying off of pictures or sketches was like unheard of before. And then the pandemic kind of flipped it on its head and because everyone's kind of doing okay, they're like, wait, we, we can do this. Like, it's okay. So I think there's, it's definitely expanding as an industry to like outside of just the major cities. That's super cool. So you're looking at sketches, you're doing Excel modeling, like you're thinking about trends, you're looking at data. Like what is the average day look like for you? Are you going into the office? Like when, what are the hours for this kind of job? Yeah, I'm definitely going into the office now. I think other companies are kind of have more flexibility, but, um, yeah, it's a little, I know everyone says like, oh, every day's different, but I got to say some of the days are still the same <laughs> because you're working on such a seasonal schedule because yeah. every couple months you're having a new product launch, you're allocating it to the stores, you're making sure it's in, in the right hands, in the right stores, that it's selling well and as fast as it can with that turnover. And then on top of it, you're going to be doing that again in two months. So you want to see like the sell through immediately. And then you want, you're kind of back on the horse, like ready to do it again. So are there busy seasons and light seasons for you? Yeah, a little bit, but, um, you're always kind of busy because (laughs) even when after the launch, you're then waiting to see the results and seeing, okay, how can we better that? And how, how's the strategy going? So it's constantly like in go mode. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess, um, Trav's question, like what are like the hours like, is it super high pressure when it's, when there's a launch coming up? Yeah. Um, definitely high pressure, long hours when the launch is happening. Uh, when you're in a buying, um, like session basically, cause usually you have a buy that lasts like a week and it's just digging into what's the collection and then what are the final numbers you're going to put down. And that's like, pretty wild. (laughs) You could be pulling some pretty long hours, 12 hour days, like for the week or so. Yeah. I imagine. So like, what does, what keeps you up at night? Like what is making a mistake look like in this? Cause I'm imagining a scenario where like 
you Crocs sell out in like 47 minutes and you didn't buy enough Crocs for the store or something like that. (laughs) Is that what like the disaster at work feels like? No, I think <laughs> I think a disaster would be buying Crocs. No. <laughs> I don't know. I know. I might have to change your example. Um, it's high fashion. Maybe Balenciaga Crocs. <laughs> you are correct. We threw out Balenciaga, and there they are with the Crocs. So, um, one of the things that would keep me up at night is actually the opposite. If I buy too much and we can't move that product and sell through is really low and slow, then. I don't want to waste anyone's time. I don't want to waste anyone's resources. I don't want to waste our Earth's minerals. So, like, we want to make sure that everything is as productive as possible. So, if I overbuy, I think that's actually worse than underbuying because underbuying, like, that creates desire, that creates a wait list, that creates this, like, exclusivity and luxury that the brands thrive off of. That's exactly what everyone wants, even if they're not telling you. So do you kind of do that on purpose sometimes? That's definitely Whoa. a strategy within luxury is to undersell and underdeliver in a way too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they want that demand to be so high. It's a it good, kind of cuts back to like the macro basic idea of economics of mm-hmm. supply and demand. Right. So how much does the environment actually play into decisions? Because I feel like recently there's such a push with you know, uh, sustainable fashion. Mm -hmm. So does that factor into your decision-making at your job? Yeah, for sure. I think that maybe not as much in the quantities, but definitely the quality. Like for instance, in luxury, it was a really big deal and still is, um, that everyone was cutting out exotic skins. So for instance, nobody's buying like ostrich or, um, Python or something like that. I didn't even know you could buy those. That's pretty wild. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can buy them in really nice, expensive handbags that everyone still really wants. But, um, you know, we're shifting towards more of like a conscious buying perspective. Interesting. So when you were first getting started out in this, like, what's hard about breaking into this industry and this job? Like the contacts, it sounds like that you need an industry, like just learning and predicting, but like what were some of those learnings that you had in the first like year when you broke into this? Yeah, I think breaking in is kind of tough, especially because I didn't come from a fashion family or a fashion background. And I lived in Georgia and Florida, so it wasn't like quite the, um, Montropolis of it's not Milan or yeah, Paris. It's not <laughs> quite Milan or Paris. People, you know, maybe have cowboy boots rather than they have croc bags. So <laughs> that um just making sure that I got myself into a city that had the opportunities, I think was one of the biggest um starting points for me. And do you have to go to a certain kind of like school or do you have to have training to do this? Not really. Interns and like interning or internships, I think is like the most useful and on the job, like quick learning that you could get from this position. I'll say I did happen to have like a business slash fashion degree, but I don't think that's required by any means. Um, I think they kind of look more towards like your internships or even if you, you know, start your own website, if you have your own blog, if you have sold things in the past, what does that look like? And you can really make projects like your resume for something in fashion. Yeah. What's, what's like the biggest piece of advice you would give to someone who does want to break into it? 
intern, 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 like intern as much as possible. And if you don't have an internship available, like near you, um, go work in a retail store because they love to have that experience. I wasn't anywhere near a city that had like a fashion internship or anything like crazy, like in the luxury industry, but I went and worked at a luxury store and even sometimes those stores will hire internally or, you know, having that on your resume, they know, okay, they know what the customer wants. They've seen what the customer is and what they're buying. So it kind of gives you that like little leg up. Yeah. That's really cool. And and so like, where do you go from here? Like CMO, is that the next <laughs> step? Like running the whole thing? Or is it like actually going and designing your brands? Like where does this typically start to branch off for somebody in your position? I mean, hopefully I can kind of do a little bit of both for now. There's some ladder climbing I've got to do still. Is it it pretty corporate once you get inside that organization, like a little bit of internal politics? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, it just depends. People can be there for many years or, you know, there's could be quick turnover. You kind of don't know what the position's going to be like in another year from now or where the brand's going to be at. There's a lot changing constantly. So I think that that's one um, exciting like opportunity that you just, you always have something around the corner. You may not know what it is yet though. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got a less serious question. To ask you. <laughs> Devil wears Prada. How much of it is fact? How much of it is just fiction? Oh, so much is real. Yo. Oh, and really? Pe- okay. Yes. Yeah. People ask me this actually all the time and a lot of it is real. I know that they're like, oh, it's exaggerated. Sure. Yeah, there. I mean, it's a satire, like it's exaggerated, but when you get to the basis, that happens. And that was really somebody's assistant that they used their experience to create that, yeah. wow. that book and then the movie. Damn, that's crazy. I don't <laughs> think I can handle yeah, that. No. We, I think we've established well into the show that we can't handle pressure at all. But yeah. it also <laughs> begs the question, like, why do we handle it? Like yeah, why do we the why the behind it is pretty um, obtruse to me. <laughs> so that is, a, that's actually an interesting take. And like, you know, I've watched a few documentaries about fashion, like kind of the day of, or like week before a show or something. And it seems like so intense and so high pressure, like almost to the point of toxicity. Does it feel like that culture is changing at all within the industry or is it still kind of that cutthroat environment? It's definitely still present. I'll give you that. But I've seen some change in evolution over the years that I really love. And I want to say as somebody who has seen some negativity or that, you know, that intense culture, I personally want to like fight to make sure that it is more inclusive, that it is a more grounded and balanced environment. Sound like a good boss. (laughs) (laughs) You have to ask my coordinator. (laughs) Are you seeing people like being vocal about that now or is it sort of like you just pay your dues that's how it goes and you just accept that i think that people are being more vocal about it because for instance now companies will be like yeah we know the culture used to not have the best uh reputation behind it and them even admitting that i think is a big step because before it was just like we're here you know what it is like you know what you're getting into let's go now they're like, we're really trying to, you know, make sure our employees are taken care of. Yeah. Make it a good place to work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> well. It sounds like a given, but you'd be surprised. Yeah. So, okay. 
if Shrey and I were to buy something right now yeah. that was going to make us look really, really cool, Ooh. what should we be buying? <laughs> what's what what's going to make us hip? What should we also avoid buying? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know. See, like fashion and like style and is so personable. Like, for instance, I love bucket hats and now I'm right now I'm buying a bunch of dunks. Don't ask me why, but <laughs> they're just like I wouldn't suggest that for somebody else, though. I don't know. <laughs> but is there like something you've seen particularly, we'll say for males and females where uh-huh. you're like, ooh, that's a great like yeah. fashion look or like, uh, that looks bad. I will say it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really simple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if I've seen too many oohs lately. I mean, I guess I have. We, we're in New York. It's a hit or miss. But um, for something that has been great, especially in men's fashion, is how uh, comfortable men are getting with wearing jewelry. And I think it is like the coolest look, like chains, rings, bracelets, like get into it, like all about it. Our producer is a bracelet guy. Love. <laughs> He's also a ring guy. <laughs> a recent ring guy, as I've been told. So is it true that you can't trust a man who wears shorts that go below his knees? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. Where did you hear that? It's a common saying. Is it? I don't know. Okay, I will say one thing that everyone says is an uh is a cargo pant. I uh, love a cargo pant, guys. I'm not talking about like the old, like early 2000 cargo pant, but like a fresh cargo pant, probably tapered at the at the ankle for a man. Great, great look. Should get into it too. Actually, just getting something that fits seems like yeah. That's probably the wow. Piece yes. Advice. Okay. <laughs> the uhs for men's fashion is actually that things just don't fit. That they like have a really wide leg pants that or this is gonna sound weird but like pants that don't fit their hips or like their waist i don't know it it can touch your skin it's okay <laughs> okay yeah it's like a little too baggy yeah no like if it's intentionally bad i guess it's a really weird like middle ground i'm going for but yeah. if it's intentionally baggy that makes sense okay if yeah. it's like just an ill fit like just straight tube of like a suit or a pant. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a pretty big, eh. Okay. What about for female fashion? (laughs) Female fashion. I mean, it runs the gambit. I think anyone in general can pull anything off. It's just like having the confidence to do it and maybe like a little bit of styling to do it with. All right, let's get cross. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> All right, well, hold on. <laughs> she said I could we pull might them have, off. We might yeah, have. You, did, you did say it's all about the confidence. I have it on camera. All right, yeah, that's true. I, oh, crap. Don't, <laughs> I'm like, don't repeat this, but maybe, like, even you could pull off Crocs if you were, like, really confident and cool with it and had, like, a good fit, like, uh, with it. It can't be, like, a Croc and, I don't know. Cargo Okay, it can't be a croc and an ill-fitting suit. Okay, Okay. can I get that? Crocs and suits is bad. No, that's not going to happen. Oh, man. On that inspirational note, any more questions about fashion buying? Uh, No, I think I'm good. I I know what to go buy now. Yeah, we're going to look really fresh for the next podcast. (laughs) It's going to be good. Just going to be showing our crocs crocs. above the table a little bit. Well-fitted pants. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go to the tailor. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. Brett, we appreciate you being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Woo.
Cool. Boom. That's a wrap. Yeah.